Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So our modern world offers us so many different ways of communication now. Uh, it's no surprise to us that one of the top questions that comes up when you're in any sort of leadership position and trying to communicate with a large group of people is, how do you like to be communicated to? So now, as a leader, like I ask this question, how would you like to be communicated to? There's so many different ways. First, there is the old school, should we send it in the mail, like snail mail, like write a letter, actually, you know, actually type and print something. There are emails, there are text messages, there are phone calls, there are online video calls, and of course now there's social media communication, and that depends what type of social media communication do you like. Do you want Snapchat, do you want Instagram, do you want blah, blah, blah. And so this all depends on a major factor. It goes on the factor of how old you are. How old are you? What generation are you? Because that's going to really influence the way that you want to be communicated to. If you're a baby boomer, you're going to be looking more generationally towards, I'm okay, more comfortable with a snail mail. I'll maybe take a phone call on the phone. That's more my, what I prefer. And like the really hipster, uh, cool, uh, I'll take an email, right? Uh, Gen X, I'm like email-based because I grew up, I thought it was the coolest thing ever that we actually got an email. And so email is the best way to communicate to me. Um, and then, you know, I like to talk on the phone. Then there's Generation Z. If you ever talk to somebody, anybody from Generation Z on the phone, it's like, sup, bro? They don't, you don't even know what they're saying. They don't say, hello, welcome, you've called the such and such residence, or hello, this is so-and-so. They don't know how to really communicate on a phone call. And so their preference is going to be actually more social media-based, not even really text messages much, more so social media-based. And of course, there's a blending of all this. So here's the problem that I have of a pastor of a multi-generational church. How do I tell you something is happening? We have to send it in multiple ways of communication. And I send it out through all these different formats, and then I still get the same question or the same statement. I didn't know that was happening. Did you tell us about it? And the answer is yes, because we send a letter, we send phone calls, we send it, I mean, we send it in a million different ways. But this is just a problem with our modern world. Our modern world has gotten so wonderful it's become so complex, and in that complexity now, we have preference. Preference. And here is a fact. Here is the best, tried and true, the clearest way to communicate to you. This is as old school as it gets, face to face. When I communicate to you face to face, there's something that happens when I'm communicating, because as I'm speaking to you right now, you can see my body. You can hear and watch my mannerisms, which is a lot and always using my hands all the time. You can see if I'm smiling or if I'm upset or if I'm, if I'm furrowing my brow. You can see me because I'm communicating to you in multiple ways with my body and my words. But for those who are going to listen to this on podcast, they're trying to interpret the inflection of my voice without actually seeing my body move because they're hearing just a recording. Face-to-face -face is the best tried-and-true way for me to be able to communicate because I can communicate to you very, very clearly. One of the things that we have done, uh, because communication is more than words, is that when we communicate with words only, we've now started using emojis. 
Because when you just use words, if I just send a letter or an email, it can be very harsh. John, are you coming to the picnic on Tuesday? Yes, period. Like, is he angry? Is he happy? Is he just busy? We don't know. Yes, I'll be there, thumbs up, changes it to like, okay, like he isn't mad at me. It sounds like he's excited to be there. And so emojis came into the, our world to help try to, try to bring some sort of emotion into these written words because most of the time we're communicating now through text messages or through just simple words. But face-to-face -face continues to be the best way to speak to us. And one of the things that we often don't think about is how God communicates to us because we do not have the opportunity to have a sit-down, face-to-face conversation with God. How does God communicate to us? Because if I could sit down with him and say, God, would you please sit here in this chair and I'm going to ask you a big question, God. God, how am I doing at life? I'm going to be able to see his mannerisms and his words and if he's smiling or at me, he's frowning. Mm. Not so good, right? Like we can see and have a conversation. God, what can I do better? But God does not communicate to us through that. He communicates other ways. And we're actually going to find that God's communication for us is very clear. We just have to know how to see it. So God reveals himself. We're getting into this new series called How to Read the Bible. We're going to be taking different aspects of the importance of this book that we've telling you all the time, open the book for yourself and read for yourself. But newer believers or people newer to the Christian faith, or maybe you've had a Christian faith in which you didn't read the Bible, this is very intimidating to you because it's an ancient text written from an ancient time with ancient writers. And so you're like, I don't get what's being said. It's overly complicated and I don't, I don't get it. So you get scared off by it. I don't want to read that. I'll come on Sunday and have my pastor tell me what's being said in it. Now, that's part of my role, which I, I accept and I appreciate. It's part of my role is to help bring some of the complexities of God to you. But at the same time, my job is to teach you so that you are a disciple maker. And so I'm teaching you today so that you can teach somebody else. That is why we're having this sermon series. I want to help instruct you grow you in your walk and being able to interpret and read the scriptures properly so that you can disciple somebody else. The old adage, back in the day, way back in the 80s, way back in the 60s, way back then, is that when someone would come to faith or was maybe interested in Jesus, the conversation was this, you should come to my church. You should come to my church. And so we would invite people into the gathering on Sunday mornings. And so the invitation to church, which is still happens today, is wonderful. But the invitation to church was the main means of discipleship in generations before us. And if you haven't noticed and you've heard the trends of what's happening, that's shifting dramatically. And so Mosaic Church was founded on the principle of this. We must create people who can disciple others where they are in the everyday life. Like, we can't keep saying, everybody come into this gathering of people and then expect me to give this riveting passage that day that, that just blows your friend away. Like, well, hopefully it's happening today. But you can't expect that because the world has shifted. Communication's all over the place. Your friend can Google, tell me about Jesus. And as they Google, tell me about Jesus, there'll be 17 different interpretations of Jesus, some of them false religions and false teachers. Your job is to disciple others. 
And the way, the number one way in which we're going to disciple, and the number one way at Mosaic Church, if you heard us say this, is the unwavering standing on the truth and inerrancy of the word of God because there's nothing else but the word of God. God's word is truth. And we'll find today it's one of the ways that he speaks to us and reveals himself to us. But you don't have to know everything in the Bible because you may not know this, though I know some things, I still Google every week when I'm writing sermons. I go to Bible Hub, I read smarter people than me, I want to hear what other people have to say to put a sermon together. So you don't have to know everything, you just have to know something. When you disciple somebody in Bible reading or how to read the Bible, you can teach them 10101. And so this sermon series is about how you have that ability to take and learn for yourself to give away to others. And today is going to be a big one because it's going to talk about how God reveals himself to us in Scripture. God does two things in Scripture very clearly in how he uh, reveals himself to us. First of all, God reveals himself through words and through actions. Words and actions. God says things and God does things. And there's a big theological term that, that you uh, hopefully you get into your head. You can remember this because when you read the Bible, you're going to see these two things. There's general revelation is what it's called and special revelation. General revelation and special revelation. If you've never heard that terms before, let me break it down for you. God re reveals himself in general truths that can be known simply by seeing the things in which God has created. That's general revelation. It talks about in scripture. For me, if you go, if I'm on a lake and there's a beautiful sunset and I see the sun dropping and I see the purple sky that's pink and purple and orange, and I see the mystery of that moment and the beauty that is there, it makes me say, oh my word, there's something bigger than me in the universe. Maybe you understand, I've had, I've had that feeling, especially sunsets or, or sunrise, there's something beautiful about that. And then when I go up north and all the lights of the city are gone and, and I can see like the immense stars and then you can start to see the beauty. There's like, there's so many more to even count when all the lights get turned down. And you're like, boy, our little blue planet's actually pretty small compared to how huge this creation is. And so that big, huge, monstrous creation makes you say there's got to be something bigger than myself. And so it says to us in Romans that God has revealed himself through what he's created. There's nobody has an excuse that we don't actually process and think there's something bigger. My undergraduate degree was in sports medicine. And in my sports medicine degree... I was at a time of my faith when I was at a crisis of faith. I just didn't know what I believed. And I started to study the human body. So all of you science nerds in here, unite. So as a science nerd, I started to get into the complexity of the human body in my sports medicine classes. And this is what it did. The more complex things got about the human body, the more I said, oh my goodness, there is something huge here. There is something bigger that happened with this, everything just works, just happens to work so perfectly. Everything in your body wants to stay at homeostasis or the perfect level of 98.6. And it's always working to keep you in the perfect balance of your electrolytes and how much water you have. Your body is always working to be perfect all the time. There has to be something bigger. That's general revelation. God is revealing himself to us through his creation. And then we move into special revelation. 
Special revelation you'll see in scriptures and you'll see physical appearances of God. God's in a burning bush, dreams, visions. The written word of God of the Bible is a special revelation that God has written a book, his story through people in which he's given that inspiration through the Holy Spirit to write down the things of God. And most importantly, above all of this, the special revelation is that of Jesus Christ. You ever think of Jesus Christ as God's special revelation to us before? We talk about him, we sing about him, we're excited about him, but God has revealed himself and shown us about God through Jesus Christ. Inside of the scriptures, we're going to see that God speaks through prophets. That's a special revelation. And we start to look at creation and say, okay, there's general revelation. And God inspires the, right, the words of this book to be written so we can know him and who he is. And then this thing comes into human history called Jesus. And we're going to explore what it means to know Jesus. Because to know Jesus means that you can know God. You can know who God is by knowing Jesus. And why this all gets into the Bible is I have so many people say to me, I don't know really who God is. I don't know what he is like. I don't really have any idea. How can you know what God is like? And the word tells us that if we know the person of Jesus Christ, we know God. Therefore, how do we know God? God's revealed himself or has talked to us face to face. And his name was Jesus. Before Jesus, the communication was a little confusing. Before Jesus, there were certain moments in time where special prophets heard words, or there was, like I said, a burning bush, or God spoke through a pillar. There were times that were special, but then with Jesus, God spoke face-to-face with a group of humans, which is crazy because God isn't human. Well, we'll get to that in a second. We're going to be in our scriptures today, John chapter 1, 1 1-14. And John 1, 1, 14, if you're a Bible reader or just, again, jumping into reading, you're like, this is so confusing, Jason. I cannot understand all these weird analogies, and that's what we're going to dig into this today because you're going to find John is talking all about Jesus Christ. John 1, 1 to 14 says this, In the beginning was the Word, capital W, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives life to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world was made, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did not receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and was made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. This one passage could be a sermon series that's months long because there's so much beauty and complexity inside of this one passage. 
But for this morning, we're going to kind of dial in and focus on a couple of key parts here. That capital W that John is referring to is the Word of God, is Jesus himself. So how do I know Jesus is God? Jesus is God because at the very beginning of this book, everything is broken down in this seemingly complex, like, why don't you just get to the point, John, and say Jesus is God? That's it's an ancient text. And so for us as Bible readers, we have to get outside of our mind to say everything has to be Western thinking. This is not a Western culture book. This is an ancient Eastern culture writing. And at this time, John is writing to the Jewish people to prove that Jesus truthfully was the Son of God. But what you're going to find out about this is how God, we're going to see, is going to reveal himself to us through his word or through Jesus. In the beginning, chapter John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, is a statement that's being made about creation, that in the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, now in the beginning, Jesus, the word of God, existed. So in the beginning, if we think of a beginning of creation, there is God, who is a spirit. He does not have a physical form. There is no form to God because God is spirit. There is no form to him, but along God, we have the Trinitarian doctrine of God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And in the beginning, this spirit God exists. And one of them is the Son of God, the Word of God. And the Word of God now, as he is existing, it's something crazy happens, is that God is creating with his Word or his action. So God is now creating through Jesus. So the physical beings that we are, the physicality of what's being made, the physicality of planets and stars and universes, things which are physical are being created through Jesus. Why this is important is that the physical creation of God in which there is nothing, now there is something, is being created through the word of God, which means that when Jesus comes, God is spirit, but now God has blended spirit with creation. Understand, this is so important to understand if you're going to be able to understand God yourself or to teach others. God is spirit. God is now creation. Those two have been brought together, and his name is Jesus Christ. Only the word of God could have become human because through God, creation was made. And so Jesus was there in the beginning, and he's there creating. And so physical, everything is being made, and Jesus is there, which means Jesus has dominion over all of it, and everything is made through him. So the word of God became flesh, like us. And he did this so that he can talk to us face to face. In the Old Testament, God was saying and talking, but it was very difficult for people to understand and believe at times. Because not all the time is there a huge pillar of fire and God's talking. Not all the time is there a bush on fire and God is talking. Not all time do we see in human history that there's a prophet that God's choosing to talk through to tell people something. But now Jesus became flesh. God the Spirit, now through creation is God the Son, the two have melded together, and now Jesus talks to us face to face in a way you can understand. It's that simple, which means the only way to save you was the one which through you were created had to be sacrificed for you. That's why it's only Jesus. 
That's why there's not lots of ways to heaven. That's why there's no other way, other name in which you can be saved. It's through Jesus Christ only because you were created by God's word. Now, this is, if you're like, okay, it is Mother's Day. I did not expect the suit's theological doctrinal conversation. I just wanted some tea and some scrumpets and have a good day, right? So hear, hear what I'm saying. This is so unbelievably important when it comes to your faith walk and your strength of being able to be strong through all things. Because if we understand the person of who Jesus is, both as spirit and as God at the same time, we now start and can understand why only Jesus can save us. And what we're going to learn today is that Jesus speaking and what Jesus does and Jesus's priorities are that of God's. And Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And his commands are written in the special revelation of the word of God. So we become a student of the word of God because Jesus is God. Jesus, we can now talk face to face with him. We're seeing what a human looks like, but it's really God. And he's saying, help the poor. He's saying, help the hurting. He says, repent and turn away from your life of sin. He says, it is better for you to follow the kingdom of God. Don't go for the things of this world. So he is teaching and telling us, and you've got this book that's getting dusty on your shelf saying, I don't know why my life is falling apart all the time, but we're not reading the book. I'm afraid of it. What are you afraid of reading? It is God's revelation to you. So if you are scared of reading, just open your Bible, go to John chapter 1, Read the New Testament portion. If you have like the newer Bibles, have the red letters, just read what Jesus said, and you're going to find out what God has for you. And the tension you're going to find if you read the red letters of Jesus is he's not the God you probably think that he is. You're going to have a tension there because as you read the word, you're going to think like, man, Jesus was like super nice and like just loved everybody. It was like, cool. He was super kind, and he was more loving than anyone's ever been, but he was real serious about sin. Because God is now speaking to me face to face. When I read Jesus is serious about sin, I need to be serious about sin. When I read and Jesus says, it's my job to take care of those who are underprivileged or who are, who are marginalized because that is the thing of God, now my job is to do it because Jesus is talking to me face to face. This word that we have recorded tells it so clearly because the word was both with God in John chapter 1. He is both with God and was God. He was with God and was God. Everything is created through him. Listen to this passage again to just really soak this in. In the beginning was the word, and the word, this is Jesus, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing has been made that made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. God literally has created an opportunity for us. Through us, we were created, and through Jesus, we are saved. That we are now saved because the word is here and Jesus is the light. So we can know light, we can know God, we can know right or wrong, we can know if we know who Jesus is. The only way you can know him is in that book. 
the writings in which we have and the, the scriptures that have been captured for us. Guys, this isn't some book that's supposed to make you unhappy and say, like, oh, just a bunch of rules in which I don't want to follow. It's actually quite the opposite. The book is life. The book is there for us to not study, to become intellectually smart, so that when I'm in a Bible quiz, I can whip verses off. Instead, the book is there for me to know the word of God because Jesus is the word and I know how God wants me to live. It's who God is. Now, if this is all new to you and you're like, I have not heard this before, I understand this can be complex. But what I want you to think about it this way. If God is spirit and the Holy Spirit is spirit, and Jesus is spirit, how would God relate to us as humans, and how would God save us? If God is to create, he creates through his action and his word. And so now God the Son, the word of God is created, God, or is the creator, and through the word or action of God, that which is created is the, only, the creator, is the only one who can save. And now Jesus talks to us, like one of us. I wonder, I wonder what that was like for Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he's got, like, he is God of the universe, and he creates and creates this world, and this world chooses sin over him, and this world is now burning and going to hell in a handbasket, and he says, I'm going to become one of them to save them. And so he lays down the majesty of heaven and the glory of God. He lays that down to become you and me. I think the travesty that we don't talk about enough about the amazing work of Christ is that he gave up all of that to become human, both God, now human, blended together to save us. If God's word created there has to be the one who could save us, which is the creator, which is Jesus, face to face. Colossians 1.15 says it so well. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The Son is the image of the invisible God. So we cannot know nor see or understand God unless he reveals himself to us. And through the special revelation of him becoming God and man at the same time, we can now know and see the invisible God known as Jesus, face to face. But there's a tension that lies here in this, is that when we know that Jesus is really the word of God and, and he's revealed himself to us and we have this beautiful book, but this book that we have and these writings that we have, there's a tension there with Jesus because we can't just say we love Jesus unless we do something about it. God is a God of action. Take a listen to this verse, John 14, 23 to 24. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Now, this passage, if you've seen it before, heard it, we're going to slow down for a second because everything we just talked about makes sense here. Jesus says this, anyone who loves me is going to obey me because the teachings I have 
My Father and I will come to you and we will love you. We, the God, we are God. We are here for this moment. Anyone who does not love me is not going to obey me because here's the thing. These aren't my words. These are the words of the Father as well. We are one. So when Jesus teaches, he teaches with the authority of God the Father because Jesus and the Father and the Spirit are all one. And so when we read the scriptures, we read the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, the entire book. We don't cut out the Old Testament and throw it away like, oh, I wouldn't have to read that part anymore. Incorrect. The Old Testament is a story of us understanding that we needed a savior. And so when we get to the part of Jesus now, we start to see his teaching, it's all making sense. Jesus says, you have heard it said, do not murder. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. Jesus says, but I'm telling you, if you're even angry against your brother, you've already committed murder against him. And they're like, I don't like that teaching, Jesus. That's a little too heavy. We like the other part. It's easy for me not to murder. But Jesus' authority as he's teaching is teaching the word of God. This is what is meant. If you want to be holy and righteous, you will do this. You don't even have hatred against your brother or sister because that is the same as murder. So the red letters of Jesus teaching now, the word of God becoming flesh, he's teaching us what is it like for God. In our terminology that we've used before, we talk about the kingdom of God. I am asking you, here's my big monstrous request. I am asking you to become obsessed with what Jesus said. Not like, oh, that's cool. What if you became obsessed to learn and understand what Jesus really said, that you were reading, processing, praying through, and that you start to apply this into your life? Would your life change today if you actually did what the red letter said? Let me change that for you. If you read the red letters, your life, and lived them, your life would change dramatically because we would find things we're not doing and Jesus says repent, so we would repent and we'd stop doing it and we'd find a new teaching of Jesus and we'd repent and then we'd stop doing that and we would continue to grow in our walk with the Lord because the word of God has come to save all of us. But... Special revelation, general revelation, the word of God, all of this. Friends, it's not so you get smart. I've, I've had the privilege of being a discipleship pastor in, in other uh, churches, and you know, there's, there's always that guy, I call him, that guy. There's a guy in a church which knows every Bible verse. Like, he can like, oh yeah, blah, 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 blah. Like, they can quote stuff, and like, he just, he knows the word. That guy. And he is a student of the word, which is, on the outside looks amazing, and that guy, it doesn't exist here, of course. That guy loves the word, but doesn't live the word. In fact, that guy loves that he knows so much about the Bible and is always trying to stump the pastor. And the people of the church love this guy. Like, oh, I just want to be in this guy's group. He knows so much. And he comes and he teaches. But then, this is how I know this guy has some issues. Then when there's a tension or something happens and we have to have some sort of conflict, he doesn't act like what the word says or what Jesus said. He just knows what it says. Because knowledge of the word is not what Jesus is saying. He says, live the way that I have taught you. If you love me, you'll obey me. And so the word is here so we understand the word. We're transformed by it. And we can talk to Jesus face to face. Because Jesus came, Jesus died, 
We now have the Holy Spirit in us, and Jesus now gives us a clear communication to him and God. And now you get to pray directly to the Father because of the person of Jesus Christ. Because the Holy Spirit is transforming and changing us, and God the Father has a plan, and God the Son has created a way, this beautiful God in which we could not know him has made himself known to you, but it comes through the word of God, scriptures that we have today. Jesus is the beginning, was in the beginning, through us were made. The question of you is this, do you really even think about that when you read the Bible, or you're like, I don't want to read it, it's boring, it's an old text, or do you look at it maybe in a new light right now? Right now, there's something changing in you to say, I get to read the word to know who Jesus is, to see who God is, because you will see the gospel starting in Genesis chapter one, and all the way through, you're gonna see God and Jesus all the way through to Revelation at the very end when he's the coming king and he's coming back again for all of us. You get to read the Bible. Unfortunately, we don't think of it that way. We have it on our phones. We have it in our apps. We've got it in our pocket. We've got it at home. You have that big, huge one you got at your wedding. You've got all these different forms. You can literally have the Word of God everywhere, anywhere. But the question is, friends, are we learning to understand or are we learning to be transformed? Because God has revealed himself to us. Through Jesus, we can talk face to face. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com.